The Dental Practice Fixers podcast is brought to you by the Maddow Center for Dental Practice Success. To find out how we can help increase the success of your practice, check out maddow.com or call us at 1-800-258-0060. How much is a crown? How much is a crown? We really don't like it when patients call our practices with questions like that. It's impossible to answer. Um, and I, I sometimes I feel like no matter what you say, you're going to mislead the patient in their mind because you're going to set an expectation. And who knows if they even need a crown or why they're calling. So it's a pretty irritating question. And we're going to talk about that and more. Fees, fee sensitivity, all kinds of great stuff in today's edition of the Dental Practice Fixers podcast. But just keep in mind, when somebody calls your practice with a question like how much is a crown, how much is a cleaning, um, even though it's a difficult question and it may get us irritated, they're saying something that's really important. They're saying, out of all the dental practices in the world, I called your practice to find out what this fee is. So even if we can't answer them accurately, it's good to give them an answer that will satisfy them and also lead towards them making an appointment in your practice. And many times, especially in the case of how much is a crown, the opportunity lies in having them just come in for a free consult or look-see to see what it is they actually need. And then they get to meet you, see your practice in person. Um, you can give them a much more accurate representation of what their tooth actually needs instead of just winging it over the phone. So it's really important to have all these skills down. And that's what we'll be talking about today on the Dental Practice Fixers podcast. I'm Dr. Richard Maddow. I'm your host today. I'm also co-founder of the Maddow Center for Dental Practice Success. We are based in beautiful Baltimore, Maryland, but we see dentists and team members and dental clients from all across North America. And uh, thanks for being somebody who is listening to our podcast or maybe even watching it on YouTube, whatever the case. I'm glad that you chose to spend a little bit of your time with me today. Before we start talking about fees, it's always great to lower your overhead. Um, and that way, maybe you'll just cut your calls right off the bat and there'll be more for everybody to share. And one of my favorite ways to lower your overhead is by switching to Fat Merchant for your credit card processing. Fat Merchant doesn't charge an overage fee, which means, of course, there's a certain percentage that you have to pay Visa, MasterCard, American Express, whatever. That's the same no matter who you use for your processing. But when you use Fat Merchant, they don't tack on an overage percentage. They just charge a low monthly fixed rate. So every single month, you will know what you're paying your credit card processor. I mean, let's face it, it's great to have a really good month and people charge a ton of treatment with their credit cards, but then the fee that you're paying your credit card processor goes up unless you switch to Fat Merchant. So do it. Why not? We use them at the Matto Center. You should use them in your practice. Just go to matto.com slash save to get a little more information. And it's a seamless transition. You can be using Fat Merchant very, very quickly. So something that we do for our patients a lot is we test them for sensitivity to cold, sensitivity to heat sensitivity to occlusal forces, but we really can't test them for fee sensitivity. Uh, you know, it's funny, in the marketing world, it's very common to do what's called an A-B split. And that means if a company is, is putting out a new product and they're test marketing it, 
this is something that a lot of consumers like us don't know, but a lot of times they'll test different prices. You know, will this doodad sell better at $12, $18, or $26? And maybe if it sells a little bit less or $26, if we make more profit, is that better for us? So they test price things before they finally take them to market. Well, we really can't do that in dentistry. It's, um, not only can't we do it, it's pretty much illegal. And we can't charge patients different fees for the same procedure. And, and then, of course, report those to the insurance companies just based on a test pricing model. So we've got to set our fees. And it's really unusual or difficult to tell if our patients are sensitive to those fees. And I think maybe now more than ever, um, people are just calling around, they're, they're you know checking fees. But are they really sensitive to fees or do they just want to know ahead of time what kind of expenses to expect? Now, many years ago, there was a famous study done here in Baltimore, Maryland at Loyola University. Loyola has a great MBA program. And there was a famous study done there by an MBA candidate. Well, maybe not a famous study. Maybe it wasn't that famous. Maybe it was kind of semi-famous. Um, well, okay, maybe it's not even semi-famous. Maybe I just happen to know about it because I know the student who actually did this. But this was a while ago, Loyola University MBA program. A student did a marketing study testing cost sensitivity. And the item that she used was a refrigerator. And she developed a, a really nice high-end model for a luxury refrigerator and then did different price points on a computer simulator model and found that at a very low price point, it didn't do that well. You start raising the price, raising the price a little bit, and you could get more interest because people want to spend an appropriate amount of money on a luxury good. And the crazy thing the study found is that when they priced the refrigerator at $10,000, that's crazy, and this was even a while ago, they actually made the most profit because even though they obviously sold fewer units, there were a bunch of people who wanted the absolute best and were willing to spend for it, and they would buy a $10,000 refrigerator. Now, there are some downsides to that too, of course, because um, you're very much limiting your customer pool, and some people would say it's better to sell more, get more customers on your list, whatever. But the point is that a certain segment of the population was willing to spend $10,000 on a refrigerator. Now, am I saying that you should make your crowns $10,000? Absolutely not. That would be crazy. But the lesson is you don't want to be caught in a race to the bottom either. And that's something that we've seen some dentists do when they hear that, you know, dentists in their area are charging a lower amount or they see an ad, they get a postcard, they see an ad on Facebook, whatever, that um, advertises low fees. And that's something you don't want to get involved in unless you're Walmart or you want to compete with the cheapest, nastiest DSO in town. We certainly wouldn't recommend getting caught in a race to the bottom when it comes to setting fees. But, you know, what's the science to setting fees? You know, I always say that no matter what your fee is, your patient's going to think it's too much. So let's use a crown, typical great item to talk about. If your crown's $1,200 or it's $2,100, most of your patients are going to think that's too much. Who knows what their expectations were? Maybe the last crown they got was 25 years ago when a crown was $600 and they remember that. I mean, it doesn't matter. To them, you're the rich dentist, dentistry is expensive, and no matter what you charge, your crowns are expensive. So keep that in mind when you're setting your fees. No matter what they are, patients are gonna think they're expensive. You know, it's really funny. Most dentists that I talk to say that their fees are in the 80th percentile, which is just hard to believe because if your fees are truly in the 80th percentile, that means that 79% of the dentists in your community are charging less than you. I think if you were in a room full of dentists and you said, how many dentists in this room 
are in the 80th percentile or higher with their fees, every hand would go up. So I'm not so sure I trust those fee surveys all that much. It's kind of like if you ask people, um, you were, and I used to do this because I just thought it was so funny and really proved the point. Let's just say you were in a room of 500 people and you would say, how many people in this room consider themselves to be a below average driver? Maybe 10 hands will go up, but let's face it. If you're truly above average or below average, 50% of the people in that room have to be below average drivers, unless it's like a room full of people who are training to get to become a race car driver, then I think they'd all be above average drivers. But in the general population, half the people have to be below average drivers, half the people have to be above average drivers, but most people, just about everybody would consider themselves to be an above average driver. That's just like saying, um, 50% of the dentists have clinical skills that are below average. Well, oh, people are shocked when they hear that. It's funny, we, we put something kind of a joke on our um, Dental Practice Fixers Facebook group a couple years ago. There was a study done that showed 50% of dentists have below average clinical skills. And people were making comments like, oh, that's horrible. You know, people don't care about their clinical skills. Well, just by pure mathematics, 50% of the dentists have to have below average clinical skills. That's why, you know, I just don't trust those surveys that say set your fees here and you'll be in the 80th percentile or the 90th percentile because every dentist thinks they're in the 80th percentile or the top 20% when it comes to setting their fees. So it's really crazy. How do you know how to set your fees? I'm going to say, Unfortunately, it's very unscientific. I mean, you could come up with a formula that says you were taking everything into consideration, our overhead, you know, what we pay our team, our rent or our mortgage, our dental supply bill, our dental lab bill, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then we're going to scientifically set our fees. But it doesn't work. One of the main reasons, of course, is because the insurance companies are involved. And as we all know, They'll only pay a certain amount no matter what you say. So what's the good of saying we're going to charge $8,000 for a crown, which is kind of ridiculous, when in many cases you have to accept what the insurance company pays for their share, and then you're obligated to billing the, the patient just their percentage based on what the insurance company sets as your fee. Or even if you're 100% fee for service, you can't have your fees be outrageous like that. Uh, so there's not that much science, I think, when it comes to setting your fees, it's more of an art. And let's face it, we all want to set our fees to the highest level that our patients will accept and to a level that won't affect our practice negatively. How do we know how to do it? I'm not sure. Nobody really knows. I can tell you one thing, though. If you haven't raised your fees in a long time or even, you know, and look, you can make the argument that in the COVID era, patients are more fee sensitive than ever. But you could also make the argument that in the COVID era, Patients know our costs have gone up. They know that our PPE is expensive as hell, and they know that it's a, a good investment for us to keep them safe. So I'm going to say, if you haven't raised your fees in over a year, it's time for a fee raise. Now, will patients leave your office because you raise your fees? I don't think so. As I said before, they think your fees are expensive no matter what they are. I can't imagine that a 5% or 10% raise is going to get your patients to leave because their perception is that fees are high anyway. So here's something that's really important. Um, two things that are really important. First of all, the entire team, doctor included, needs to feel very comfortable with your fees. And, you know, when you're presenting treatment or when a team member is helping out, and I know, you know, legally team members aren't allowed to diagnose, but they can certainly turn to a patient and say something like, I think the doctor's going to recommend a crown here. Or when the doctor leaves the room, 
and the patient says to the team member, what do you think? Would you do this? If the team member thinks that your fees are too high, that's going to somehow be reflected in their body language, the words they choose, the way they kind of hem and haw before talking to a patient about things. So it's really important that everybody on the team realizes what an incredible investment dentistry is. And it really is. I mean, you know, just think about it. The new iPhone 12 just came out and people are spending $1,000, $1,100, $1,200 for a new iPhone. And their expectation will be that iPhone's going to last a few years. Then when the iPhone 13 comes out, I'll be getting a new one. Well, and you can say, well, but I use my phone every day, so it's worth the money. Well, geez, how often do you use a crown? You use a crown every day, multiple times for really important things, things that are arguably more important than having a great iPhone. Um, you use you know, your crown for chewing and biting and smiling and all kinds of important things. You know, your, your teeth, the health of your teeth keeps your whole body healthy. We all know this, but for some reason, somebody on a dental team might not think that a $1,600 investment is on, in a crown is worthwhile. Well, geez, a crown's worth so much more than an iPhone and it lasts so much longer. Again, you know, sometimes when we pay $1,000, $1,200 for something, our expectation is that it will last three or four or five years. How about like a really nice, um, if you live in a cold climate, it's starting to get cold here in Baltimore. And I know there are winter coats that people invest eight, nine hundred, a thousand dollars in, and they're great, they're high quality, and they look good, and they're filled with down or synthetic, and they keep you warm. But how many times per year are you going to wear that thing? You know, maybe 20 times on the 20 coldest days of the year. Our teeth, we use every single day, thousands of times. They're important for our health. It's an incredible investment. But unless our team understands that, their body language when we're presenting fees is going to be negative. So let's talk with our teams about what an amazing investment great dental health is and compared to other things. And we all know that great dental health um, is, is a really important factor in your whole body health. You live longer, you feel better. I feel like I'm going on a soapbox here, but unless everybody really understands and appreciates what an incredible investment high quality dental care is, it's really tough to set your fees and to present your fees and all those things. And also, we've got to have the ability in our practice to make dentistry affordable. Uh, you know, I talked about Fat Merchant, which you can find out more about by going to matto.com slash save. Of course, you need to offer credit cards, but we need to offer third-party financing through Care Credit. We need to make our dentistry affordable. And I'll just give, I think, I, I feel like I talk about this all the time, but it's so important when offering third-party financing like Care Credit, don't offer it and then talk your patient out of it by talking about all these hoops and mumbo jumbo and you gotta fill out this application and give us your most intimate personal details and then we have to send it off for approval. The, the presentation for Care Credit is so easy. It takes about five seconds. Let's say a patient needs $2,400 worth of treatment and you wanna utilize third-party financing. Just look them in the eye and say, we've got a great option for you. We can do 12 months interest-free. That'll be just $200 a month. Is that something you'd like to take advantage of? And then just wait for them to say yes. Again, the presentation for care credit, third-party financing, five seconds. We've got a great option for you, 12 months interest-free. It'll be just $200 a month. Is that something you'd like to take advantage of? And then just let it go. Wait until they say yes. Okay, wow. We really went off some on some tangents here talking about fees, but I think they were all important and valuable, and I hope you enjoyed them. Um, and if you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a good rating on your podcast app. 
or on YouTube. If you're watching the podcast, tell your friends. That's how we grow, and uh, that's how we will keep bringing you the dental practice fixers. Okay, now time for some fun. If that wasn't fun enough, we're going to go to our mystery shopper calls for the week. And I asked the same question. We'll do three calls. How much do you charge for a crown? Okay, let's get Command Central R warmed up here and call a random office. I think I need a crown. How much is it? Okay, call number one. Hi, Dr. This is Thornton. Um, yes, do you do crowns in non-office? Yes, sir, we do. Mm-hmm. How much is a crown, the cost of it? I can give you an estimate, but you cannot quote me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would say around 1500 1500 to $1,600. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that includes everything? What do you mean by everything? I mean... Uh, that would I, be... Oh, go ahead. No, no, just, I just want to see if there are any, you know, extras, if you itemize it, how that works. That's the whole crown. Everything's included. So we would have you come in for a consultation. That is $156. If you have x-rays, then we may not need to take some. But if we do, that would be additional. Mm-hmm. And I think if you had your, if it's just like one crown and it was prepped, then you would leave with a temporary crown and then come back for the permanent crown. Mm-hmm. But whatever Dr. Renee gives you as the fee for the crown, then you could pay half at the time that it's prepped and then pay the other half mm-hmm. once it's delivered. So you don't have to pay it all up front. Mm, good. And the consult's 156, you said? 156, yes, sir. Great. Are right, you thank being you referred so- to our office or you new to the area? Um, no, I, I just, I was told I needed a crown and I'm just kind of calling around and okay. checking things out. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Wow. That was a long call that went absolutely nowhere towards the end. Um, okay. She was nice. She was knowledgeable. She was kind of warm and friendly, not the warmest and friendliest ever, but she was great. She was acceptable there. Um, few things that we'll talk about. I, I like how she said, I can give you a fee, but you cannot quote me. It's like, well, what good is this anyway? But that's that's neither here nor there. Then she said $1,500 to $1,600. Um, then I said, does that include everything? And she said, well, you'll need a consultation. I'm thinking, all right, that's fantastic. She's going to offer me a free consultation. Come in, do a look-see. We'll see if you actually need a crown, and then we'll take it from there. I was starting to think this call is going to be great. But then she said, well, the consultation's $156. I think she was confusing a consultation with an initial exam. And these are two completely different things. So again, I was getting all excited for the free consult or the look-see or whatever you want to call it, but no, she's offering me a $156 exam. Then she started to get pretty clinical there talking about preps and temps, which, you know, I know what she's talking about, of course, but a typical new patient maybe doesn't know those terminologies. And then she used the term, uh, this is just incidental, but since she did it, let's talk about it, that you should never use permanent crown when you come back in for your permanent crown. That sets an unbelievable expectation, doesn't it? Permanent. Nothing in this world is permanent. Not a crown, not a heart bypass, um, not a guitar. I don't know. Nothing's permanent. So why say permanent crown? Final crown, uh, porcelain crown, whatever. Just don't say permanent crown. 
Then again, she started going down a good path after that. Were you referred to the office or are you new to the area? Well, those are great questions. Great conversation starters. Yes, I was referred by my friend Joe, or I just moved here and I drove by your office. Those would have been great. Now, I didn't allow that opportunity because I just said, no, I'm just, I'm just checking around um, to see what's going on. And she said, okay, that's great. But look, let's face it, for some reason I called this office, so that's a good thing. And then, of course, at the end, she made absolutely no attempt to offer me an appointment. Zero. No attempt. Ah. So frustrating. She really could have made this call great at the end after talking about where you referred. She just could have said, well, we'd love to see you in our office. Let's get you appointed for an exam, for a consultation. I don't care what it was. But she made absolutely no attempt. Okay. That was our first call today. Let's find out what happens in our second call of the day. Same call. I mean, same question. Boom. Thank you for calling dentistry. This is Candy. How may I help you? Hey, uh, do you do crowns in your office? Yes, we do. And how much is a crown usually? Um, I can give you an estimate between uh, 2000 to 3000 Yikes. And that's just for one crown? Yes, sir. What would make one 3000 as opposed to 2000 we're talking x-rays, examination by the doctor, if the crown needs a buildup, if it's a molar, a crown uh, instead of a cuspid or a front tooth. I mean, it really varies. I'm just mm -hmm. giving you kind of like a, an estimate. Kind of like a ballpark. We can't, yes, because we really don't know until we actually see you and examine you and take a look at that crown and see if, it, if that tooth can be saved with a crown. Got it. Well, that makes sense. So what, what costs more, a molar or a front tooth usually? Molar, because it's your, you know, the stronger tooth, the larger tooth in the back of the mouth. Got it. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the information. Okay, sir. Okay, bye. All right. Wow. First of all, 2000 to 3000 for a crown. Wow. $3,000 for a crown? I, I got, this is, um, I'll just say, um, in the southeast part of the country where I was making these calls um, in a medium-sized town. Um, I, I cannot imagine that somebody's charging $3,000 for a single crown in this town. But hey, whatever. You know, I said, hey, people think it's expensive no matter what you charge. So she gave the fee. Then she started saying, well, then, you know, that's including the exam, whatever. She really went off on some weird tangents there. Um, and then, well, it depends if it's a molar or a cusp, a cuspid. That was pretty cool, a cuspid. I wonder if she even knows what a cuspid is or front tooth. Um, and then she started saying a crown for a molar is a higher fee than a crown for an incisor. That's my word, incisor. She said front tooth. Not so sure about that, but hey, maybe that's the way they do it in this practice. I don't know. Sounds a little weird to me. In any case, then she started turning the call in a really good direction. She, you know, I'm asking about fees. Is it more for a certain tooth? Because she led me in that, in that direction. And then she said, well, we don't really know until we see you. Boom, that was great. She took it in the right direction. We don't really know until we see you. And then of course she said, so let's get you in for an appointment. Oh no, she didn't say that. She just said, we don't really know until we see you. Thanks for calling, click. Ah, she was so close. Sometimes she got so close, but um, then totally blew it. She had a great, great lead into making an appointment, but I'm so sorry. Took it nowhere. This is, is going to have to be, I'm not really grading the calls today, but I'd have to give this one an F. Okay. Now, just in case, I say this every time because 
it's just hard for me to believe that every single dental practice I call does something similar. They go through a little, you know, spiel, dog and pony show, whatever, and then they just don't bring it together at the end. But I got to tell you, I just made these calls today, the same day I'm recording the podcast. I just looked up a mid-sized town, random dentist. I never heard of any of them. Did three calls in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Well, let's talk about three calls. Well, let's do the third call. See how that one goes. But geez, the first two, um, they, they both took the calls in some weird directions, but then had a great opportunity at the end to rein things in. The first one said, you know, how'd you find out about us? Where you refer? Are you new in town? Great conversation starter to lead to an appointment. The second one said, it's really, you know, I really can't tell you until I see you, but then didn't say, so let's get you in the office. What the heck is going on here? Okay. How about door number three, Imanti? Let's do door number three here. Call number three. Thank you for calling dentistry. This is Abby. How may I help you? Oh, hey, do you do crowns at your office? We do, yeah. And what's the cost for that? Um, it depends on if you needed a buildup underneath the crown. Um, crowns are typically about $1,400. Mm-hmm. And, and the buildup is extra for um, that? It is, yes. It's a separate procedure. Um, it's three sixty. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what that is, so I don't know. Do most people need that? Um, I mean, like if you had an old filling in on like a molar, and it and the filling, like if there's decay up underneath the filling, or if the filling is cracked, if there's insufficient tooth structure after decay is removed, and like an old filling would be removed, if there's insu- insufficient tooth structure, then the tooth typically needs a buildup to stabilize the crown. So no, it's not always needed, um, but a lot of times it is needed. Well, that was a great that explanation. The makes that. Oh, well, I hope so. So, um, yeah, so like well, I had a huge old filling in the back of my mouth, and so there was decay up underneath that filling. So in order for him to get to the decay, he had to, you know, take out the old filling. And then I didn't have much sticking out above the gum line for the crown. So in that mm. case, he places the buildup. So, so you had that happen to you? On. Twice, ha- yes. Wow. Oh, okay. So it's, pre- so it's yeah. pretty common then, it sounds like. Yeah, it it is. Got it. Cool. Thanks so much for the info. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Okay. You're welcome. Call me if you have any more questions. I definitely will. Thanks. Bye. You're very welcome. She was so nice. But why did she say, call me if you have more questions instead of let's get you in for an appointment? I don't know. I just don't understand this. Now, here's something else. She immediately went to say, well, build up. Now, keep in mind, again, I feel like I'm saying this all the time. These terms are very normal to us, but most people have no idea what that means, a buildup. Then I asked her what it was. She wasn't going to volunteer this. She gave a great explanation. I have a feeling that this woman used to work in the back, maybe a dental assistant, hygienist, whatever, before she moved to the front desk. And I think, you know, I love all of our great front desk people, but I think front desk people who used to work in the clinical area really have some kind of an edge because they've, you know, they've been there, they understand it when they're explaining things to a patient. Um, it's really great to get some some clinical office experience for people at the front desk. That's another topic altogether, but I just wanted to mention that. Um, she's saying things like insufficient tooth structure again, maybe over the heads of most people, but I'll give her a break. She really did give a good explanation, but then at the very end, call me if you have any more questions. Why didn't she just say, let's get an appointment for you? I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, 
I'm so frustrated. I'm going to just have to end the podcast right now. I hope that our listeners, both Dennis and team members, really learned a lot from these calls. They could have been a little better. They could have been more concise. But the main lesson is they actually did a good job of bringing the patient to the point of getting them on the schedule, but they never even came close to taking it to that step. So listen, laugh, learn, have fun. That's going to end it for the Dental Practice Fixers podcast today. You can find us on all the podcast apps and on YouTube if you want to watch. I'm coming actually from my, I was going to say my home studio, but it's not. It's just a corner of my bedroom today. Um, so thanks for being with us. I am your co-host, Dr. Richard Maddow. We really appreciate that you took the time to listen to or watch the Dental Practice Fixers podcast. And I will see you very soon. Thanks. Thanks.